Hello again. Hello. I am ready to carefully listen and add to my learning, especially learning and growing in my faith. That's how I would introduce myself this week. How about you? I keep asking you and reminding you. How would you introduce yourself? I haven't introduced myself to you like this when you come in the building. Maybe we should. How, hello, I am this when we walk through that door. But that's how I am, would introduce myself this week. And let's say our psalm together because it's helped me uh, this year so far, and I hope it helps you. One, two, three. Lead, Lead me, Lord, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your path straight, straight before me. me. Let's that, let, us, let that be our prayer today, this morning. Mm. And I hear Tim, and Tim's mic is on. That's, that was pretty cool, though. I heard the, the voice, you know, and you're like, oh, what is that? But that sounded cool, so thank you for turning that mic on. That sounded sweet this morning. Um, we have Tim St. Louis here speaking from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 today. I told Tim this morning when he was setting up his table, I said, remember the first time we met? It was September at a minister's meeting, the first minister's meeting um, this year, um, and we met. He introduced himself. I'm the director of Rock Lake. He had his table set up, and that was the first time we met. It was like six months ago. I don't know. I can't add time, and, but six months ago, and I told Tim, it feels like we've known each other more than six months, but I'm excited to see and hear what Tim and the Holy Spirit has led Tim to speak on today. Um, it's a tough passage. There's a lot in there. I'm glad he has it. Um, but welcome, Tim St. Louis. And remember, don't forget to ask questions and see the Rock Lake table in the back. So welcome, Tim, to the pulpit this morning. Appreciate it. Uh, it does seem like it's been uh, longer than six months. Um, you guys had a winner. <laughs> You guys have someone, uh, when you look for a minister, man, you want someone who loves God and desires to serve Him uh, with His life and, and uh, with His family, and you guys have that. And so in my book, a tremendous winner. Um, good morning. I am here today on behalf of Rock Lake Christian Assembly, your camp. And, uh, and I want to say thank you. We have so many churches that we are partnered with, but few embrace our ministry the way the Ferris Church has embraced our ministry over the last several years. You are our prayer warriors. You are trustees. You are deans of our camps. You are camp faculty. Uh, you our faithful volunteers, you love our staff, Luke and Amy, and I see Colden sitting back there running PowerPoint slides. You love our team. You support us financially. You are Rock Lake. Like, you are our ministry. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, God uses you in incredible ways to minister to students all around Michigan. Thank you for that. 
We have so many different camps that we offer. We offer camps for boys, camps for girls. We offer wilderness camps and off-site camps. We have activities camps this year and, and parent and child camps. We have special needs camps. We have big camps. We have small camps. Like We have camps for every child of every size, of every kind, right? We want an opportunity to love on students. We want an opportunity to love on students. Camp is about growth and discipleship. We want to to help them learn Scripture. We want to challenge them in their faith. We want to have fun and be crazy. We want to help people understand the power of God's love and His grace while we wear superhero costumes. Right? We have camps for kids as young as kindergarten and camps for students graduating high school. Entrust us with your kids. Entrust us with your kids because you are every bit a part of our ministry. Everything that happens this summer is because of you. And, and that is... That's the most important thing I can say about a church. You know, is, is discipleship, ministry, people hear the gospel because of you. If you're interested in talking about camp, come and find me. I will help you find a perfect camp for your kids, for your grandkids, for your nieces, your nephews. I'll talk to you till your ears bleed. So come find me after service. If you're an adult then we have a place where you can serve if you're willing to serve. Uh, and, and we'll find a place for you there too. Um, we need camp faculty for all different ages. Uh, we need people who mow lawns and tend gardens. We need people to serve in our kitchen and help in the office. If you're willing to serve as a volunteer at camp, again, come and talk to me after service. And I'd love to get you plugged in. In fact, my wife, did you want to say it during service or do you just want me to plug it for you? My wife wants me to plug her, her uh, kitchen. She needs people to serve in her kitchen, specifically. If you, Thursdays? Tuesday? Tuesday. That's what I meant to say, Tuesday. Tuesday, if you're available in the summer, she would like you to come and serve in the kitchen and help bless these students with some amazing meals some hand-cooked food, some, some killer, killer, killer food. Taco Tuesday, right? Taco Tuesday. So, I mean, you guys get the tacos. So, come and find Pam after service if you're interested in serving in the kitchen. We would love to talk to you. There's so many places to plug in. Whatever your gifts, we, we can get you plugged in. Even if it's just giving kids candy out of our canteen. If you can't tell, I love camp. But more importantly, I love the chance to minister, to, to see people's lives transformed by, by the gospel. Camp isn't all we do. Uh, we minister to uh, other people the other nine months of the year as well. Um, dang it, I was going to bring something with me today. All right, we have a, 
we have retreats for adults. Uh, we coordinate events for churches. We do fellowship times. We do discipleship retreats, elders retreats, women's retreats, crafting retreats, youth retreats. There's so many opportunities to jump into. In fact, April 5th, April 8th through the 10th, if you're into crafting, uh, we have a retreat for you. It's coming up. This is the first time we're offering something like this. It's that it's open to, to churches. Um, we're going to do a quilting and crafting retreat. Uh, we'd love for you guys to come out. It's a great time of fellowship, a time to catch up maybe on some personal projects that, uh, that you've had laying around, um, but, uh, but also a time of worship and devotion, a time for great food. So um, if you're crafty, if you're a quilter, come talk to us after service. I got an opportunity for you. All right. So Keith has been preaching on James, and I understand that's been like, you've been here six months? It's been about six months that he's been on James? Is that my understanding? <laughs> no. No, I, I've watched some of his sermons online. I know he's doing a great job um, preaching through James. And there's so much content in James. I love it. Uh, today he's given me an opportunity to jump into this series and, and preach on James 4. So we'll start you know, there in verse 1 and see how far we get. Um, but before we start, let's pray. God and Father, uh, we, we come to You humbly asking for, for You to speak today. God, we, we want to hear what You have for us, not what Tim has for us. Lord, we want to hear what Your Spirit has to, to convict us with. It's why we sit here today. God, we want to, to follow You and honor You with our lives. And so, Lord, may, may the message today be one that, uh, that comes from, from You and Your Spirit. Use me. And may these people hear the message you have for them. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. So, starting in verse 1. Here we go. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, my good friend Keith Mitchell says, it's a question. We've got to stop here. Right? We've got to take time to consider it. When, when, when Scripture asks a question, we need to take time and ponder it. So, so honestly, like what causes fights and quarrels among us? I mean, when, when, when James is asking this question to the church then, what causes fights and quarrels among them? I'm sure it's not the same thing that causes fights and quarrels among us today. Come on. They didn't have carpet back then. <laughs> when I was growing up, there were six kids in my family. And... I guess there's still six kids in my family. <laughs> you got me, Luke. <laughs> uh, things that caused fights and quarrels among us growing up were the television remote control, right? It was what show we were going to watch, whose turn it was to use the one bathroom in our house. My siblings were looking at me what we were eating for dinner versus what I wanted to eat for dinner. We would fight over anything. More specifically, I 
would fight over anything. I just had an epiphany up here. <laughs> this, was, this is the reason my parents sent me to all those youth events as a child. <laughs> it was because I fought over everything. That's funny. That's funny. All right. Now, I understand my parents. This is why our kids are going to every youth event. They're going to, that tr- they're going to the trampoline place today. <laughs> uh, oh, it makes so much sense to me. Now that I'm grown up, uh, what the common conflicts I see, those things that cause quarrels and fighting among us, Michigan, Michigan State, right? Right? Or Michigan, Indiana, I don't know, this weekend, that was rough. Uh, What we should eat for dinner is still a a divisive topic in our house. Uh, (laughs) To mask or not to mask, to vax or not to vax, Republican or Democrat, right? So many more. So, so, so many more. What are things that cause you to fight and quarrel? Perhaps it's something I've already mentioned. Maybe it's finances or unmet expectations or a building renovation. We should consider these things because James has some wisdom for us regarding it. Right? He continues in verse 1. He says, Don't these fights and quarrels come from the desires that battle within you? Okay, another question. So, to really understand what James is, is saying in this passage, right? Don't they understand? Right? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? If we want to understand that, we need to go back to, to Keith's message last week, right? He preached on chapter 3, verses 13 through the end, right? So verse 16, it says, right, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every kind of evil practice. Well, this disorder is fighting and quarrels, right? That's what the disorder is. It's fighting and quarrels, and it's resulting in Every evil practice, not good. Not good. So the question James is asking should be read. Doesn't this fighting and quarreling come from the envy and selfish ambition or selfish motives that battle within you? Now James is really getting to the heart of the issue. Are we like the Christian believers that James was writing to who were struggling with selfish and indulgent behaviors that were leading to arguments in the body? When James talks about selfish ambition, he's talking about about people who want power, who climb ladders, who desire more. There was a point in my life where I was a corporate ladder climber, right? Right? And I know what my motivations were. And, and sadly, it, it wasn't something godly. It was selfish. It was full of envy. I wanted what other people had. Uh, I saw a nice house and I wanted it. 
I saw financial flexibility. I saw power. I saw authority. These were things that I wanted in my life. And well, I didn't kill for them, right? I did what I did what I needed to do to get myself on top in that corporate world. I lowered my standards. I managed with fear and anger. I hurt people all for the sake of envy and ambition. You know, but we see in the church that this happens too. As we jockey for a place, serving in different roles, trying to get a little bit more with each role, it happens. Even in the church, selfish ambition seeps in. Pursuing selfish ambition, this is the true source of fights and quarrels. It certainly can be. Uh, well, we've made it all the way through verse 1. Okay, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? With these questions, James is probing the audience. But he cuts right to the issue there in verse 2. He says you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Right? You quarrel and fight. The NASB version interprets this a little bit differently, and I think it better captures what James is trying to say. You know, if you look at, uh, at the Greek, like the, the verbs alternate, and, and, and the NIV just doesn't quite interpret it the way that, that it would be read in the Greek. So I, I want to read this, this other version. It says, um, you lust and you don't have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Right? You see that, that you do something and it results, it's, it's, it's escalating into a, a more sinful behavior. Right? You're, this is what's happening. Right? These people... They're, they're envying, they're lusting after something that they don't have, so they kill to get it. You know, they're envious, they, they can't obtain it, so they fight and quarrel until they can obtain it. There's a worldly desire that was leading the, the believers to sin. And, and the sin that the church was falling prey to 2,000 years ago, right? They're the same sins that are present in our church today. James said they didn't stop at the temptation. They didn't stop when their temptations gave birth to sin, right? They, they just kept rolling the dice. Uh, and, and they didn't stop until something mortal had happened, until they had killed, or till the fighting had given way to, to divisiveness and disunity. This is like the whole of our last two years, right? COVID, masking, quarantine, flattening the curve, the election, vaccine, BLM, police accountability, political overstepping, a Russian war, gas prices, the color of the carpet, right? In the world, we literally have no, no problem finding reasons to fight and quarrel. There, there's so many reasons to fight, to bicker, 
But we cannot let these seep into the community of Christ and drive a wedge between us as believers. We cannot allow these ancillary issues to create disunity among us. We cannot. James continues, You do not have because you don't ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. Matthew 7, 7, uh, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Right? Like neither James or Matthew, or, or they're, they're not making a health and wealth proclamation. Right? It's, it's not, uh, you don't have because you don't ask God. So ask God for whatever you want and He'll give it to you freely. And, and, and in Matthew, Jesus doesn't say, ask and it will be given to you so you can have as much as you want, whatever you want. That is not what either of those passages are saying. James says, you don't have because you don't ask God, and then follows with the motive. Why you don't have. You don't have because your motives are impure. You want for selfish envy and desire and you want to indulge. And so you ask God, give it to me so I can indulge. James says, no, that's not how it works. It's, just, it's not how it works. And, and Matthew, similarly, I mean, if you, if you look at Matthew, Matthew kind of prefaces that phrase that Jesus says in, in 7-7. He prefaces it with a proclamation about prayer, right? Like, how is it that we pray? And Jesus says, Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. You see what Jesus did there? Like the the prayer itself starts with establishing motive in, in humility, right? Like, Calling on God the Creator, naming Him who He is, helps to subordinate ourselves, put us in our place. Right? Then, then we say, God's kingdom come. God's will be done. Right? We're not asking for our will, so God, if it's not Your will, don't give it to me. Right? If it's not Your will. But in, in doing this, right, we subordinate our motives to Him. Right? When we start our prayers like that, James is clear, ask God, but like we see in Matthew, do so with the right motive. That God hears you and provides. We don't call on God out of selfish ambition. Do you remember that passage in Moses? Luke talked about how the Israelites wandering in the desert, they, you know, God provided the pillar. Uh, God also provided manna from heaven. Right? But He didn't give them all they could have. He didn't say like, he could have said, take it, load your wagons, pile it up, drag it with you through the desert. You know, have all you can have. Don't ever worry about relying on me. You'll have it. I'll give it to you one time. No, God gave it to them daily. And they were only supposed to take as much as they could eat that day. Right? Why? 
because it helped them to rely on God. Learn daily to rely on God. This is our motive. Subordinating ourselves to God. Understanding our role. When we do that, when we, when we understand God's provision, God, give us what I need today. Give my family what we need today. I trust God's going to provide that. I trust God's going to provide that. James continues. He says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or, do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit He caused to live in us envies intensely? Uh, I'm going to stop there. I think uh, James has spent the last several verses um, dating back to last week's message warning the people against envy, against their own selfish ambition, warning them that they need to live deliberately different than the world. Deliberately different than the world. Why though? Because like Jesus says in Matthew, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Right? God is a jealous God in and, and that He wants us committed fully to Him. He doesn't want us living duplicitously. Uh, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt as though uh, you live one way when you're at church, you, you portray one thing at church, but around your family or your work friends, you live another way? Have you ever thought if they knew the real me? God wants you to live for Him alone. He wants you to live for Him alone. This message James wrote is to the believers. And like they were, we should be convicted by this message when he says anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, they're choosing to be an enemy of God. Anyone who embraces envy, jealousy, selfish ambition, discord, fighting, they become an enemy of God. And that should convict. That should convict. It, it shouldn't just convict, quite honestly, it should make you afraid. I do not want to be an enemy of God. That's not a place I want to be. It's meant to convict. But, the passage doesn't end there. It says, but, God gives us more grace. Amen? God gives us more grace. And we need every bit. We need every bit. 
James continues in verse 6. He said, that is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves and he will lift you up. But God gives us more grace. If we'll humble ourselves enough to accept it. Can we admit? Can we admit that we can't do it on our own? Right? Can we admit it? I I struggle with it. Right? It's a struggle in my life. I want to do it on my own. (laughs) I think it's human nature. It takes intentionality every day to learn to rely on God. It takes humility to say, I can't do it on my own, God. Only with Your grace will You humble Yourself. He already sees everything. He knows your life. He knows your struggles. He knows what happens at home alone in the darkness. He knows. Will you humble yourself and repent so that He can lift you up? So that His grace can restore you. I was going to bring one of the cups from the women's retreat. But uh, at the women's retreat this past week, one of the crafts that they did, it involved breaking a piece of pottery, a cup, a bowl, whatever it was, and putting it back together, highlighting the cracks with, with gold, right? With a gold paint. It's actually a Japanese art called kintsugi, right? Uh, but as I watched, you know, I, I attended the women's retreat, just so you know. I serve the meals. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I had a chance to, uh, to visit during that time while they were working on these projects. And I, I had a chance to see them putting these back together. And I understood what Pam was trying to convey. We break ourselves. We mess up our lives. We have a choice, Right? And you have a choice to either continue living as a pile of broken pieces or to allow God to put you back together. Right? And, and sometimes trusting that God's actually going to put you back together is difficult. But he, he does. He puts us together one piece at a time. And the end product is more beautiful than what, what existed before. Our brokenness and His grace are more beautiful than what existed before.
allow him to put you back together. Allow his grace to restore you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. What's the takeaway from the message today? Come to camp. That's that's a takeaway. That's a takeaway. No, no, the takeaway from the message today is our world is still broken. It, I mean, we, we want to say it's, it's so much worse than it was 2,000 years ago, but it's broken in the same way it was 2,000 years ago. And we still have the same choice that they had 2,000 years ago. We have the same choice. Will you choose the world? Will you choose selfish ambition? Will you choose jealousy? Will you choose gossip? Will you choose the world? Or will you choose to follow God? Will you choose humility and grace so that He can lift you up? Whom will you choose? Let's pray. God, it seems like such an easy question. Uh, Do we want to be broken? No. No, but it is an easy, God, for us to relinquish power. I mean, I I, I hate to say it, that, uh, that that's what we strive after, God, even in our own lives. But we just strive after power and control. And we want that, God. It gives us security. Uh, and sometimes it, it's uncomfortable, God, to submit to Your Spirit because Your Spirit uh, doesn't leave us in control. We don't know what to expect. But God, we know that, uh, that Your Word continues to reassure us that when we trust You, when we call on You, with pure motives, God, You provide. When we humble ourselves to accept Your grace, Lord, You restore us. Your Spirit rebuilds us. It lifts us. God, help us to continue to put our faith in You. Man, it's the only lottery that wins every time. Help us to honestly trust You, God, and pursue You with our lives. Lord, we love You. We're thankful for You. We're thankful for Your Spirit. It's Your name we pray these things. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing our song invitation.